famously texted me and just said, hey, you want to make a podcast? And I said, yes. Then it took maybe three hours to come up with a name uh, because two of the names that we wanted to think about were, were chosen already. Like one of them was bring on the podcast, by the way. I was then, just thinking about that today. Yeah. Because I was reading their countdown to kickoff and I was like, I remember we wanted to name the podcast their podcast. Yeah. We can't do that. We can't do that. So then we settled on the Aggieville Alley Cats. And two years later, the rest is history. But the first part of our little celebration is the two-year anniversary Q&A. And we have a lot <laughs> of questions, we'll say. So uh, it's going to be a long one. Kick up, listen in parts if you want to. Just relax and listen to us answer some questions that we always brought in. So let's start with the first one from John Grove, the lovely, lovely host of now Cat Attack, formerly Shake and Blake uh, on Wildcat 91.9. K-State has previously played TCU in the Big 12 Championship football game, uh, basketball tournament, and the baseball tournament. Basketball has played the Horned Frogs five out of six years in Kansas City. Is it time to consider TCU as a rivalry? I think we're very close. I I think something that we like talked about is how it's for a long time it was just kind of more of a hey that's kind of funny thing. Yeah. Like it's like even like up until like before last season. But now that both football teams have been successful and both basketball teams have been successful, uh, there's a little bit more uh, um, gas to the fire, I think. Uh, so I think we're like a chippy football game away from it being like a actual rivalry. Um, but we're not quite there yet. But I think we're very close. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of pretty close to that. I, I think that the... The biggest thing is it's already a conference rivalry, but those barely count because you're technically rivals with everyone in your conference, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if you're friends with some of the schools. So for in my case, being friends with Oklahoma State and Texas Tech doesn't make it any less of a conference rivalry. I, I think that TCU is kind of in that second tier bordering on the first tier. First tier being KU and Farmageddon. And second tier being, you know, just schools that you have a personal beef with. So like uh, Baylor for <laughs> several reasons. But I think it's bordering on on that first tier of rivalry for me, just because of how often we meet each other in the postseason. Fair play. Uh, next question, also from John Grove. Which themed football game is your favorite? And then he lists a few. Uh, my favorite is Stripe Out Games, with a close second being Senior Day. I'm probably also going to say Stripe Out, if it's done correctly, um, which it's been mixed results in the past. I think basketball did a Stripe Out game this year, and it like mm-hmm. kind of worked. I it don't kinda, remember. It worked for the students. Okay, I gotcha. But they also like didn't announce it until like a week before it was supposed to happen. So like, you know, it is what it is. But football stripeouts have generally gone pretty well because they generally market it before it happens, like mm-hmm. a lot further in advance. Like the SEMO so, game. Yeah, exactly. I, I would like them to say where the stripes will be, but yeah, <laughs> like we'll see, I guess. And if we don't know, you have a 50-50 shot of being right. So bring sure. t-shirts, even though you're gonna die in the heat. Yeah, I, I love a good stripe out, but uh, homecoming is a close second for me because vibes are always really good on homecoming. Yep. 
Uh, final question from John. Thoughts on playing as Avery Johnson in NCAA 24? It's awesome. Uh, are there any other players on the team that you would play as? So I kind of answered the first one for me. Yeah, obviously playing as Avery will be super, super fun. Um, I wish Deuce would still be on the team so we could play as him. But unfortunately, that was not meant to be. Um, other people that could be fun to play as, uh, if Kobe Savage is still around, he could be pretty fun. Um, a guy like Asa Newsom or a guy like Jordan Allen, like those could all be really fun options. Um, Toby to... O is the greatest user in history. Yeah, Toby O will be a really good user, hopefully. I'm basically just thinking of really athletic people. Mm-hmm. And like, like Julius Brands would have been super fun. Felix would have been hilarious to use this year. <laughs> so there, there are plenty of really good options. Um because there's going to be a lot of really good athletes on the team. Yep. So thank you, John. Next set of questions, or the next question is from an anonymous friend of ours. If you were forced to put Laura and Rudley at another school, where would you send them? Uh, for me, I would send Laura probably either to one of the Zonas or back to where he originally, excuse me, committed to Washington State. Rudley just sounds like he'd be a really good, like, I don't know, Pac-12 or ACC quarterback. So I, I'll i send him – I would say Colorado, but Colorado's uh, – it seems like they're going to be in the Big 12 soon, and I don't want to transfer in conference. So I'll send him to – I'll send him to UVA. UVA seems like a good spot. I think I agree on Lara. Um, Arizona or Arizona State is probably first and second choices not any particular order because he's from Arizona. And I also, he just feels like a PAC 12 QB. Like I think he could be solid in the PAC 12. Um, maybe I'm just thinking that because Arizona has a QB named uh, like Jacob Delora, like, which is like kind of close uh, to Lara. So that's an option. Um, really. I could see being a middle tier QB in the ACC and like, shredding the Mac like he could go to Toledo and do really well um, or he could go to like Virginia Tech or Boston College and be like solid and I I, I could see either of those um, being a decent spot for him but either way I think both of those guys could probably play power five football yeah Um, like it may not be like the highest tier of it but I think they could still do it yeah I agree uh, so thank you, anonymous friend. Next up is fake Wyoming sports. What's the strangest thing you've seen in a night out in Aggieville? Well, you and I have both seen someone doing pull-ups on light poles on separate occasions after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. That's my story. Was this? This might have been two different Super Bowls. Then. <laughs> yes, it was two different Super Bowls because yeah. it was the one in a uh, 2020, and then it was the one this last year. Yeah, because I, I I saw that happen uh, during the 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, where a guy did pull-ups and the police started chasing after him. And then he just dropped off, like surfed through the crowd and just disappeared. Never, Never to be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, it was probably, I wasn't even out in Aggieville. I was just like going to like grab like some like cinnamon thing, like some sweet treat from like uh, DP dough. Cause they're like one of the only places that's open late. And so I like got into the ville, I parked and I was like going to walk in and I like parked in front of like Tacey China house. And 
Um, this was in 2021 as well. And uh, I see, actually, no, it was 22, fall of 22. And I see none other than uh, Cartier Jara and <laughs> standing in front of Tasty China House. Like when I pull up and like his, my headlights are just like on him. <laughs> he he's just standing there. And this is after he had transferred. Like he's no longer enrolled at Kansas State University. He yeah. is not a Kansas State student. And he's just standing there looking up at the sky, just enjoying the view, standing in front of Tasty China House or DP Doe or whatever it was. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing here, man? He caught him <laughs> in his protagonist monologue, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's like, isn't he in like Virginia or something? The I don't know. Uh, that was probably the strangest thing because I immediately recognized him. And then I was like, wait, why are you here? <laughs> You're not it's supposed like, to be, man. You're not supposed to be. Exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you, Fake Wyoming Sports. Next up is Daddy Traub 22. Do you absolutely hate Nebraska like I do? I'm neutral towards them because my roommate was a Nebraska fan. Uh, it is kind of funny watching them kind of flounder around a little bit, but I don't hate them. I probably hate them more than you do, but I, I wouldn't say it's absolute hatred. Um, Cause I do remember really not liking them when I was younger, but they left the conference when I was like 11, I think. So I've lived over half of my life with a big 12 that does not include Nebraska. And uh, I do kind of wish that they were still here just because like, it'd be cool to have like another rival on the docket. Cause I know that, a lot of K-State fans hate Nebraska and vice versa. Um, but I don't have that truly visceral hatred just because they weren't around long enough for me. Yeah. So thank you, Daddy Traub. Next up is a, a lot of questions from Scott Wildcat, uh, host of Bosco's Boys. Go check them out. However, if you're checking us out, you probably have listened to Bosco's Boys before. Uh, there's, there's like probably one fan who's like, what's Bosco's Boys? one person uh, <laughs> anyway first question from scott wildcat after year number two are you committing to a year number three yes uh year number four and year number five is where things start to get slightly difficult yeah and i still think we can probably do it but it's just going to become more challenging yeah. pretty much as time goes on but we'll see we would like to continue to do it as long as possible true uh, second question, will we ever get a Washburn University football team episodes? Coach Schurig is one of the best humans I've ever interacted with. Probably not. Um, we did have a high school classmate who did play at Washburn. I think he's graduated since. Well, he's certainly graduated yeah. since because he was he was a year older than you. Yeah, he, um, he was ahead of me. So Yeah, good old Devron. Um, probably not. And it's not because we have anything against Washburn, despite being from pittsburgh it's just i, I, I don't know we, who we have our plates full <laughs> yeah i don't know who would care amongst our audience it's not really something we have like time to like divert to like getting to know like, yeah. on top of like having to know all the stuff about k-state but i don't know maybe if they paid us i don't know <laughs> <laughs> aggieville alley cats brought to you by washburn university they are paying our law tuition uh I take that. I, I, would I would take that deal. I would shift to being a Washburn only pod. I don't care. <laughs> um, what is the toughest episode you've had to record to date? There are three episodes that come to mind that we straight up didn't want to record. 
uh, the Tulane recap, the Elite Eight loss recap, and then the Iowa State recap from 2021. Um, Of those three, I probably will say the Elite Eight loss pod because that that was an episode that we straight up for like half a week. It, It kind of ruined my week just thinking about like, Damn it, we have to talk about this. <laughs> For me, it's probably the Iowa State recap. Because even though the score was close in that one, uh, it was not a close game, really. We just got dominated physically, but we like completely destroyed by Iowa State on our home turf. Yeah. Uh, coming off of uh, two straight losses, so that made it a three-game losing streak at that point, and things were looking dire. Like that was a rough situation. Tulane loss is very close, as is the Elite Eight, but man, that Iowa State game was rough. And it hurts even more that it's our most listened to episode ever. <laughs> but it please, is so please, something has to dethrone that episode. Please. That's we a year. Gotten, <laughs> we've gotten close a few times. We've not quite been able to dethrone it but <laughs> if everybody goes and listens to the big 12 championship episode then it might happen <laughs> oh uh next question what is the what was the hardest part of doing the podcast while one of you was in law school and how tough will it be for both of you to continue it uh the hardest part was scheduling for because we obviously we don't live like in different time zones or anything but we each had very different workloads, me being a graduating college senior and Connor being a first-year law student. Not sure if they call that freshman in law school. I should know yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I say 1L, FYI. Okay. For all listeners. Yeah, but I, it, it was definitely scheduling, and I guess you can take the, the second part of this because that's an equally simple answer. <laughs> yeah, um, it will be less tough because we're going to be under the same roof. <laughs> yeah, like we're just gonna be there, so uh, we're not gonna have to like coordinate with Zoom and stuff like that. So it should be, in theory, a lot easier. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but um, I anticipate fewer obstacles. Yeah, because I can like one of us can literally just walk into the living rooms, like, "Hey, you ready to record?" Sure. Yeah. All right, let's go. Through <laughs> <laughs> the bat cave. <laughs> Um, one of the simple things I miss most post-graduation at K-State is just walking through campus on a great weather morning. What do you think you will miss the most? I'm really basic. I'm going to miss the student section. And while like there, there are a lot of people who can and will sneak into the student section, I don't think I'm going to do that particularly often because I actually kind of like the seats that I got for the young alumni tickets, which by the way, excellent deal. If you're a young alumni, the $200 season tickets, it's insane. Um, I actually like those seats, but if we're not talking about anything sports related, I would say as much as Calvin hall is kind of a mess, I will miss room 218 of Calvin hall because that was where I had like 90% of my classes and every winter it would be nearly impossible to hear the professor because of the the heat. Oh yeah, the pipes in those old buildings on campus are, suck so much. <laughs> they have those in I know Eisenhower and then Calvin as well, uh, where 
if probably Justin. If yeah, if if you want the temperature to be above like 45 in your room, you're just not going to be heard. <laughs> yeah. Um for me, I also will miss walking around campus at least as often. I occasionally uh, if I'm back in Manhattan and I have like some spare time, I'll take a stroll through part of campus. But I do really miss walking around campus and also just walking around different areas of Manhattan because uh, there's a lot of really great places in Manhattan to go on a walk or a run. And um, I'm also just going to miss being in Manhattan in general, which I mean, I've been out of Manhattan for a year now, and I can confirm that Manhattan is superior to Topeka in almost every measurable category. So I that, that is one of the things I miss the most, even though I do know a few people that commute from Manhattan to Topeka, I I don't have the gas money for that. So yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, uh, the I just miss the community, um, miss walking around campus and just having everything be like right there. But yeah, yep. Uh, next question: What football newcomer are you most looking forward to seeing? That answer, the first one that came to my mind was Treshawn Ward, and the second answer that came to my mind is Daniel Cobbs. Treshawn Ward has the potential to be a really well. He isn't. He doesn't have the potential. He is an explosive playmaker, um, in pretty much all phases of the game. And Daniel Cobbs is. He's just. We keep calling him just Kobe Savage again because it's true. He's just a hair on fire safety who is looking to murder someone on every single play. Man's got murder on his mind every play. Um, for me. First answer that came to mind is Keegan Johnson. I'm really excited to see if he can live up to the hype and really become that uh, number one option that we need. Because uh, I'm really hoping he can at least be Malik. Because uh, I, I think that we're in trouble if he can't do that. Um, other than that, I thought of like Cam Salas because I think he's probably going to contribute. But I don't want to talk too much about these newcomers yet because reasons. <laughs> anniversary episode reasons yes uh but though those are two that came to mind pretty quickly for me yeah uh next question from scott wildcat if the basketball team didn't add another scholarship player what sort of season would you project or predict um bubble team on the right side of the bubble for the ncaa tournament like a middle of the pack uh big 12 school if we added no more scholarship players yeah, I kind of came to the same conclusion, um, primarily because the rotation will be about as deep. We're getting a few red shirts that we didn't have access to. Um, I think that we would we obviously would not have the Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson level of talent, but Tyler Perry uh, is going to be really good. Um, Naquan Tomlin's back uh, officially, and... Uh, there's going to be plenty of other guys to really like on the team, but still having fewer guys on the roster in total will probably make practice more difficult. Uh, the Big 12 is going to be really deep again, so it'll, it'll be tough to really get through a full season like that, um, but we will see. Um, I Probably bubble team. Yeah. Uh, next question from Scott Wildcat. Boxers or briefs? I'm a boxers man. I'm a briefs guy. Well, boxer briefs. The, the neutral status. Yeah, I am. I, I am the Switzerland of undergarments. So, 
all right. <laughs> that line should not have hit me as hard as it did. Um, <laughs> next question. If you could have a lifetime supply of any five liquids, but only you could consume them, you can't share, can't bottle and sell, what five liquids would you want? Now, I'm assuming what this question is saying is that we're like we're not robbing the world of this resource. We just can't share the ones that we have. Like we can't share our lifetime supply. That's how I'm taking it. Uh, it's a completely different answer if the opposite's the case. Because there's like two things in this world that I can think of easily that but I wouldn't want to deprive the world of. You can go first now that I gave that explanation. Yes, because I did not even think that it could be interpreted that way at first. But when you brought that up, I was like, yeah, that would change a lot about my answer actually because for one i wouldn't say water (laughs) (laughs) everyone else is dead no one else yeah so water is my first one after that i'll pick like one soda and say diet dr pepper but could potentially think about a few others there um then i'll pick um an easy drinking uh domestic uh blue moon then uh after that i think i might roll with like either tang party or towny wheat from Manhattan Brewing Company. Sponsor us you can't. Sponsor us And then um for a fifth one, I might just like pick like a something to switch it up, like maybe orange juice or something like that. Like just kind of like a, a, a like like a breakfasty uh, kind of drink. Yeah. Uh, for me, I would also pick water. I'd pick Dr. Pepper and then Jim Beam Peach Whiskey, Mike's Hard Lemonade, and Chocolate Milk. Jeez. Um, do you want to do if it's only us that's allowed to have it? No. No? <laughs> I really don't. Okay, what if, what if we narrow it to two? Could we do okay. two? Yeah. Okay. I'll go first since I'm the one who who instigated here. I am unfortunately going to rob the world of Jim Beam Peach Whiskey. That is mine now. Uh, but then I would pick a, a blueberry lavender vodka from get I, from Island Spirits, which is a small spirits company off of the coast of South Carolina on Defusky Island. Uh, not sponsored, but it is the best vodka I've ever had in my life. Plus, it's lavender, so you could argue it's K-State themed. Um, <laughs> if I was taking things off the market, um. I think I'd do one that I actually like and one just so nobody else has to have it. Yeah. For the one no one else has to have, it'd be at least that first run of Wabash Reserve. So nobody yeah. else would have to drink it again. Because yikes. Um, other than that, something that I would like that maybe not a lot of people would miss, uh, probably water. I'm joking. <laughs> probably water. Um, under them, I'd actually kind of assembling it through you. Uh, I really like Jim Beam Vanilla. Uh, so I got to roll with that. Because I don't know a ton of people that drink it. And I think there's also other options to like amongst like other bourbons and whiskeys. So, yeah. And then the last question from Scott Wildcat is, is another, another doozy. If you had an extra hour every day that no one else did, the world just stopped except for you but you had to do the same thing every single day during that hour, what would you do and where in the day would you place it? Uh, the easy, the like absurdly easy question, like answer to this question is sleep and put it like after 3 a.m. when I'm never awake anyway. 
that's the most boring answer I could probably give. But like, if if that was not an option, I'd go with probably just film evaluations between the hour of like seven and eight, because the biggest limitation for me with that is simply there are only so many hours in a day, and I have a lot of like other work to do, including like editing the show and stuff like that. I say editing the show like it doesn't take me <laughs> maybe twenty to thirty minutes, but point still stands. Um, for me, I would probably take that time. I'd put it at some point. I don't really care, honestly, other than just like a time that I'm awake. But I'll pick one. I'll just say, I'll say six. And I would just, assuming I could get access to every K-State athletics event that's ever been recorded, i just take an hour a day and just like go through the catalog of k-state sports events and like older games that like haven't really been seen much like old basketball games and stuff like that and just kind of work my way through and kind of give me an opportunity to familiarize myself more with uh some of the older eras of k-state sports that's a good answer it's also the last question from good friend of the show scott wildcat host of bosco's boys and before we get to I would call it the back half, but it's a little bit more than half. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to the back three quarters of the episode, here's a quick word from today's sponsor. And welcome back to the episode where there totally wasn't just an awkward pause between the two of us for the ad. And we can start with the first question of the back half-ish from the 1012 Network. Uh, a lot to enjoy as a K-State fan over the last two years. What is your Mount Rushmore of Wildcat moments since the pod started? There's a lot of really good answers for this. Um, how about we Mount Rushmore typically implies four. So how yeah. about for this particular case, we just go back and forth for one another? I, I, I think I agree with that because I think there's a few obvious ones that we can hit. But there's also a few obvious ones I'll get left out. But I don't want to sit here and like, struggle to think about like a bunch of different ones so you start uh big 12 championship specifically the, specifically the goal line stand i'll say the uh keontae johnson reverse slam uh, against michigan state will howard getting carried off the field against oklahoma state another spectacular pick that was going to be what i said if it wasn't the uh kj1 and then i'll say the aoka lee 61 point game there's like there's a lot that we're 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 leaving out like it like a couple couple honorable mentions would probably be the the KJ dunk against KU um the Keese's 19 assists Keese 19 um, assists game was was that Michigan State or Kentucky that was Kentucky I think it may have been both <laughs> Not 19, think... but he did, he had double-digit assists in both because those were both the over-my-dead-body games for Marquise. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think one of them he had 19, one of them he had 14, maybe. Yeah. I think Michigan State may have been the 19, actually. Because that was also the little guy game. Oh, yeah, he had a 27-9 against Kentucky, so I think the 19 would have been Michigan State then. Okay. Yeah, the, those are... So, so our four would be the Yoki 61 game, Will Howard getting carried off the field, and that's not just because we're Will Howard stands. Yes, it is. 
the <laughs> the goal line stand in the Big Twelve Championship, and then the reverse uh, lay or a reverse dunk to KJ versus Michigan State. So uh, thank you to our friends over the 1012 network. Next up is Allison Renner. What incredibly obscure sport would you add to K-State athletics that we would instantly excel in? And why is it women's wrestling? You see, it's the second part of that question that changed my answer drastically that we would instantly excel in. And yes, the objectively correct answer, if you take that clause into account, is women's wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, because Kansas does have, um, at the high school level, they do have women's wrestling. I don't know how many other states have it. Maybe it's a lot. Maybe it's not many. But um, I think that's a really great answer. Um, I don't think it's NCAA sanctioned right now. Um, It might be. I actually don't know. But if not, then I guess we could bully them into doing it. Then, Because, I mean, if the instantly excel wasn't there, I'd say uh, softball. But it's not obscure. Yeah, yeah, it's not obscure. And uh, we probably would not instantly excel. (laughs) There's a lot of really, really good teams in the Big 12. Um, So how many years before we beat Oklahoma once? um, Luckily, they're leaving. So we won't have to deal (laughs) with that. So then it becomes Oklahoma State and like Iowa State. And I think Baylor is good. Texas Tech, I think, is really good, too. Like there's there's just a lot of really good teams in this conference. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention for me would be lacrosse. Uh, shout out to Aiden, friend of the pod and friend of us personally. <laughs> um, next couple questions there. Chef comes in hot with doozies every single every single Q&A, whether it's for us or Bosco's boys. Chef Andre Napier just comes in hot with, with some amazing hypotheticals. Uh, first one. In a K-State podcast or two-man golf scramble, who comes out on top? Bosco's boys, us, the Aggieville Alley Cats, uh, College and Kimball, E-Mall Online, Three Mall, or Go Power Cat? It's not us. <laughs> it's definitely not, not us. us. Um, Grant, got on Bos- Grant got on Twitter and said he sucks at golf, so it's probably not Bosco's boys. Um. Go Power Cat, I'm assuming it'd be the, the main two of Cole and Fitz. It'd either be Cole and Fitz or Cole and Ryan. Um, I think Mason Voth is like a known golfer. He's the only one uh, like that I know is a known golfer. So if I think he, he carries If he, if he, he isn't plays. a golfer, he has golfer vibes, and I think could pick it up quickly. True. So I, I, I'm, I'm, making, I'm making that up, but... Um, <laughs> He seems like the best option out of this group. Uh, three Ma, maybe. I don't know if the College and Kimball guys are golfers, um, but they're a potential option as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Ema online. Just because I, I, I think, think no matter who you pair Mason with, I think he probably he, he clears. I think you're probably right. I guess we don't know um, about Cocaine Willie either. Like, I don't know how good In Bob Trumpsby is. The addendum to the question. Uh, I would assume it would be him and uh, it'd be Chef and uh, Bob Trollsby. Either that or it'd be Bob nah. and Matt. Um, no, I still think I still think Mason clears. It's just Mason. <laughs> it's just... I'm looking forward to this Mason twenty under round at uh, Culver Hills. But we will not be participating. We will just be observing. Yeah, <laughs> we're no good. We're, I have never played golf in my life. I have not since I was like 11. 
I think I wasn't really that good then either. And it also would take me forever to find clubs because I'm a lefty. So, and I really would not want to buy clubs. So, yeah. Uh, next question from Chef is What is your favorite late night snack? Uh, for me, this is a weird, it's a weird answer, but like midnight leftover chili's cheese fries. I don't know what it is specifically about leftover midnight chili's cheese fries, but there's something. There's something primal about it for me that I, I cannot quite describe. Are you a, uh, for those, are you like a microwave reheater? Do you throw them in the oven or do you have like a little toaster oven? Bro, or it, air it, bro, it, bro, it's midnight. I'm tossing that in the microwave. I'm not. <laughs> what stage of your life do you have to be at to, to at midnight? Just warm up the oven for a basket of cheese <laughs> Senior year of college, that would be the only time that could be done, I think. Like that's like the the rugrats jokes, like, why are you making pudding at 3 a.m.? Because I've <laughs> lost control of my life. <laughs> For me, favorite late light snack. Um probably be like something sweet when I'm like when it gets that late, I don't really want like substantive food, like of any sort. Like I'm either gonna like find a cookie like in my house there normally aren't cookies there so i have to go get one <laughs> if that doesn't work i have to like go find ice cream if that doesn't work i just scrounge about like a goblin until i find something like with some level of like sugar <laughs> and then i'm good thank you chef next question also from chef cheeseburger in paradise on a 24-hour loop in your head for a football natty or friends in low places on a 24-hour loop in your head for a basketball natty i'm assuming oh i'm assuming he said he added an addendum that they would be for the entire year i'm assuming death isn't an option uh i'm assuming that forfeits it but it would be hell, but I'd do I, I hate Cheeseburger in Paradise. That song sucks. Uh, so I'd do Friends in Low Places. Sorry if you're a fan of that song. I'm really not. I'd do Friends in Low Places for the technically lesser, I guess, Natty. Uh, I It's still a revenue. It's still one of the two rev sports, so I don't care. I, I had not actually heard Cheeseburger in Paradise until this question, and I listened to it for three seconds, and I decided that I'd listen to Friends in Low Places for a year for a basketball natty. Like, I, I'm a fan, but I don't think I could lose my sanity. I mean, K-State's taking my sanity already. Like, I can't. There's not much more to give there. So I, I think I don't even like country music, but Friends in Low Places has to be the choice there. Yeah. So thank you, Chef, for your excellent questions, as always. Next two questions are from Casey Doyle. Uh, first off, what is your favorite drink in all of Aggieville? Mine would either be the Belfast Bomb at O'Malley's or the Peach Cooler at Tanner's. I'm probably going to say Pirate Nancy at uh, one of the places that has it. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least two, but there might be three. I think there's just two. But I um well I'd also consider like a mule, like a Moscow mule or Kentucky mule about anywhere, because I just really like that drink. And then maybe a fishbowl of fats. I'm not sure. Good answers. 
Next question is a realignment one. If you could add one G5 team to the Big 12, regardless of size, location, prestige, or et cetera, who would it be? Uh, Memphis. I know that there's a friend of the show. It may have been the anonymous friend earlier who would have said Tulane uh, or New Mexico. But I'm going to go Memphis just because I, I think they should have been in the last time. <laughs> yeah, I think Memphis is the easy pick. Um I mean, I know it says regardless of size, location, prestige, but like, it's kind of hard to like add a team without those factors. Yeah, <laughs> like because those are the reasons that you would add a team at all. Like, and it doesn't say anything about like value they'd add. I imagine Memphis is probably like adding about the most value. Maybe San Diego State, I guess. But there's not a single team in the MAC that moves the needle for me whatsoever. Um. Pac-12 isn't G5 yet. Um, yet. And then, uh, so yeah, I think Memphis comes out to be a pretty easy answer there, especially because they're actually renovating the Liberty Bowl. So um, it might not be the worst stadium in all of college sports uh, here in the next few years. One can only hope. I really hope it actually works out for them. <laughs> I really hope so. Not only for our sake, but for their sake. They deserve a better, better stadium. Maybe they don't actually. I don't really know. But <laughs> <laughs> I went there once. I will not be returning yeah. until the renovations are complete. Yeah, we've we've heard other related horror stories. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, next couple of questions are from True Alley Cat Evan D. Shenanilak. At <laughs> first question: How many clones of yourself would it take to one tackle Deuce in the open field? Two, stop Felix from sacking the quarterback. And three, get a tackle in the backfield when the offensive line is made up of five Cooper BBs. I'll let you go first for this one. Produce? Even though I am, like, taller than you and have long arms, I have no agility whatsoever, and I've had very little athletic activity in the last year. It's probably going to take a minimum of, like, 20 maybe 25 to get a deuce because <laughs> I'm just, because I'm just going to get lucky. Someone's just going to like grab his shoelace and then we're just going to have to gang tackle. Like that's the only way it's going to work. Either that or like just form a circle around him <laughs> and just close in. But even then he'd probably get out. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go one by one here. For me, uh, it's however many of me it would take to form a red rover line between the sidelines um, to where I literally am the wall. So he he has one choice, and that's to go through however many of me it takes to make the red rover line from sideline to sideline. So we'll say conservatively, I don't know. I'm not good at math. Evan would be ashamed of me because I think he's a math teacher. But um. I think so, at least. At me if I'm wrong. Me in particular. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You ever take 25? That that That's a rough one. Yeah. I, I Honestly, the rest of these, I think I stand a better chance with. Because, yeah, number two, stop Felix from sacking the quarterback. How many clones would it take? Um... If assuming it's a standard three second play or like it's average, I think technically the average is like 2.85, like snap to throw or something like that, but we'll say three seconds. 
Um, conservatively three, because a double team block, and if he gets around the double team block, I can just just have another one in the backfield dive at his ankles. So, like, I think I could do that for three seconds. Um, even though I was an offensive lineman, I haven't done anything offensive liney since like 2015 or something. Yeah. So I have no technique whatsoever. I don't know what a drop step is. So <laughs> probably <laughs> it's probably gonna be five of me on the line and then a slide protect that's just called Felix. And we just let the other people go and just mm-hmm. like go and hold Felix, just like blatantly. Yeah. I'm just saying, I was six-team scout team player of the week blocking a future four-star Division One athlete at well, high school. He was a D1 athlete. He was. <laughs> that... <laughs> oh, that's a story for another day. But uh, last one, get a tackle in the backfield when the offensive line is made up of five Cooper BBs. Uh... Mm-hmm. I'd say at minimum seven because I can overload the the blocking scheme. If it's a gap scheme, I'm screwed. But if for some reason they're running like outside zone, I just happen to guess correctly. Uh, I'm not going to say how many attempts it would take, but I'd take it. I'd say take at minimum seven of of me. I'm going to say eleven, and there's just eleven of me on defense, and we're just going to run engage eleven every single play because I don't care how many points I give up. We just got to get a tackle behind the line. Then we win. (laughs) There's no, there's no winning the opposite side. There's just delaying losing. Yep, exactly. It is inevitable. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Evan. Next question. What's your favorite thing about Jerome Tang so far? His energy and ability to connect to specifically the students. I love how he's connected with the fan base myself. Um, He's just been so active. Um, and making sure that people are drawn in to the team uh, in multiple different ways. Yeah, he's he's done a lot with the students, but he's been really open with uh, the fan base at large as well, as has uh, a lot of the players and uh, other assistants as well. I mean, that's probably his uh, um, communication and marketing of the program, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's just his ability to connect to people that's most impressive to me because, like, dude. <laughs> like the, the turnaround that he had in terms of emotions of the fan base was one of the most miraculous turnarounds that I think I may ever see in a sport. Yeah, because that was an apathetic fan base by the end for good reason. and yeah, It was either apathetic or angry all the time. Yeah, granted, we've always been angry, but true. <laughs> it, it was a different type of angry than it used to be. It was it was hatred. <laughs> yeah, it was more directed inward than outward. I yeah. guess. Um, but yeah, he he figured that out like in like a week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one's a really good one. The best player in the 2022 re- football recruiting class may be the blank best player in the 2023 recruiting class. Wow. So basically it's asking where Tobio ranks up in if he were to commit in this year's class. And for me, 
personally, he probably slips into like seventh. I can't say he's in between because anniversary special reasons. Uh, if you've listened to the show, you already know what the anniversary special is. But <laughs> uh, I, I'd say seven. And that's so <laughs> ridiculous because Toby was like my favorite recruit that K-State had gotten since the show had started. And it wasn't particularly close. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of the first um, recruits that we covered, mm-hmm. I think, even um, all the way back in summer 21. So, yeah, it's probably it's been close to two years since we covered him uh, originally. But for me, I had him at eight um, based on anniversary. I'm just going to say based based on my current recruit rankings. Yeah. Uh, so the anniversary special is is ranking the uh, high school and transfer recruits from this last year's class. Yeah. Spoilers. So, yeah, but it's, uh, I have him at eight right now, and I we do do transfers and high school uh, separate. Yeah. So um, he'd be eighth amongst the high school transfers. Yeah. So so we're close. I think the difference is. I think the difference is where one of us put a DB. I think you're right. Yeah. It may be a different DB. I don't remember who. It's, I'd have to look again. But yeah, that that may be the best question of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a very good question. And I think it's a good setup for um, the um, next anniversary episode as well. Yeah. Um, just to really help drive home the context about the quality of this year's class. Yeah. Uh, next question, also from Evan. What was your best year as a KSC student? This last one for me, because my freshman year was COVID. My sophomore year was still tainted by COVID. My junior year was the first, like, actually normal year I had. And the senior <laughs> senior year was probably the most exciting year for K-State sports in a decade. So, Yeah, I, I was very jealous that you got to stick around another year. I know I've said it before, uh, but luckily I was able to get to – um, all the home games for football, so I uh, saw a lot of fun doing that. Um, but my favorite year, I'd say either my sophomore year up until COVID starting, I felt like I had a really good year that year, and then uh, other than that, probably my senior year, just because I front loaded my schedule a lot, so I was taking like 17 18 credits, like those first like four semesters. Uh, but by the end, like my the, the second half of my last semester, I had two classes, so that was pretty nice. And they were both on, like, Tuesday, Thursday, so I just had, like, three days a week where I just did not have class, which was really nice. So I'd say probably senior year or the first part of sophomore year. Yeah. All right. You want to ask this next question? Uh, yeah, I do. Because this is an ace-specific question. Uh, what will it take to get Ace to turn on Missouri? There are a few things here. Um, lifetime extension of Drinkwitz. I I couldn't handle that. I, I straight up couldn't handle that if that happened. Nobody would blame you. <laughs> um, hiring like a notorious like dirtbag as a coach. So like if they hired Kendall Bryles to like from TCU to be the head coach, couldn't handle that. Uh, if they hired Bobby Petrino, I may just walk on the freeway. 
I couldn't no, I couldn't deal with that. <laughs> um I wouldn't turn on Missouri, I'd turn on life. Uh, <laughs> um I don't know. It would it would take a lot because that is like my childhood team. You know, I still when K State is not playing playing them, I I still actively root for them. And Connor can attest that this brought me a lot of pain. Because <laughs> I texted you what like three times this year during MU games, and I was like, oh, they're playing so well, and then a backbreaking mistake would happen, and I would just send like three expletives in a row, <laughs> and you'd ask like, you okay? No, I'm an MU fan. <laughs> they have not been good as of late. Uh, and could have beat Auburn, you know. Nathaniel Pete did fumble at the one yard line. Could have beat Georgia. Could have beat Georgia. Beat Georgia. I, I'll never understand how Mizzou got so close to beating. I I, I hate to like say it because it like reinforces a lot of the SEC. We don't care to be there, but I truly think Georgia just sleptwalked through three quarters of that game. They did. Like I, I think they just didn't think they were capable of losing to Mizzou. That and Blake Baker is still the DC. Like <laughs> Really good DC, really good defense, but drink is such a joke. Like all of this would be a lot more bearable for you if drink was wasn't the, like if it was somebody likable. Like I don't know. Like if they sucked and he was likable, that's fine. But like he, like the 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 moment that I say we're so back is when drink gets fired mid season. Blake Baker's named the interim coach. That's the we're so back moment for me. And then the it's over again when he's not retained for some reason, and Bobby Petrino is hired as HC. Oh God, not the Josh Weipel storyline again. <laughs> not again. I'm sorry, man. It's inevitable. It is. It hurts a lot, but I yeah. So it would take a lot. It'd take a lot. Uh, next, thank you, Evan. Next question. Early projection for a realistic floor and ceiling for football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. Uh, let's start with the floor of each. Uh, football, for, we'll go back and forth as well. Football, I think the floor is eight and four, unless all of the team gets injured, then it's seven and five. I don't think there's a world where K State is not bowl eligible. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think. The floor is like a little above 500, which would be like seven and five with a bowl game loss or, or I mean, seven and six with the bowl game loss or seven and six with a bowl game win after going six and six. So I hope it doesn't get to that point. I don't think it will, um, but that's probably the absolute floor. Like things would have to get like apocalyptically bad to like get any worse than that. Like we would, yeah. we would have to be, I don't know, putting like Cody Cook at, quarterback or something like that <laughs> a philip brooks emergency qb uh, I, I don't want to go down that road <laughs> um men's basketball this one's tough because like it, it all depends on what we pick up in the portal now um like if you ask if we get two commits like in the next like month the answer very much changes uh, I, I view it similarly now to the question Scott asked where like a floor would be like high teens or like low 20 wins in a bubble team for the NCAA. 
Yeah. I'm, I think men's basketball, it would all come down to the remaining transfers we get in and like how much development happens between this year, next year for current role players. So if that just doesn't work out, I could see this being a 18 win bubble team. If they can get just enough quality wins in conference. Um, But we'll see. Yep. And then women's basketball, the floor, it, the team is too talented to not get at least 20 wins. I think that's the floor. Like the team can literally out talent people to 20 wins, even if the coaching is terrible, in my opinion. I think that there is a universe where they could get under 20. There should not be one, but I have seen us just really lose steam down the stretch a few years in a row now this could end up being an 18 19 win team as the floor uh assuming no injuries i we'd have to actually try to get to that point like we have to try actively to like not be good in multiple games but it could be done yeah that's terrifying uh the ceilings for each of these football the ceiling for me is 11 and 1 with a conference championship and a new year's six ball um, if we're not playing against Bama, we have a good chance in the New Year's Six Bowl. Um, <laughs> so if, I, we, I, if we go eleven-one with a Big Twelve title, we're in the playoff. Because isn't next year the expansion? It's uh, next year, as in the next football season. Uh, well, then never mind. We will be in the New Year's Six. Maybe a playoff. Maybe we might sneak in as a four seed if we like. If we lose early to like a top five team. Well, I mean, TCU did lose to us after being undefeated, and they were still in the playoff. That was in the championship game, though. Yeah, but if we got to the championship and lost, then we might still make it. Could. Depending on how dominant we were the rest of the year. Yeah, true enough. What about you? Um, Pretty similar. We do lose a lot of guys. But I think depth-wise, the team is better top to bottom uh, pretty clearly. And I think there's going to be a few guys that really emerge this year. Guys like Khalid Duke, who've kind of had the short end of the stick for a lot of their careers. But he's finally going to be edge rusher number one, be the guy's back in his natural spot. He could emerge. Um, A guy like DJ Giddens or Treshawn Ward or Keegan Johnson or Garrett Oakley. few other guys um if if we roll the dice and we hit then we're looking at potentially an undefeated regular season um but there's a few games that would have to really go our way like at texas at texas tech those are the big question marks i think but it again this is best case scenario so uh sailing the 12 and 0 regular season and then Whatever happens, the postseason happens. Yeah. Uh, men's basketball ceiling, again, as it stands right now, I, I don't think there's much room between the floor and the ceiling for them as it stands right now. I think the ceiling's probably like 23, 24-win team. Uh, that's pending may, many transfers, but I think that's the ceiling as it stands now. I kind of agree. I think... Even if everything gels perfectly, I think at best, probably 25 for me. 
um, unless we are able to fill with some really good um, additional transfers, but uh, we shall see. Yeah. And then uh, women's basketball <sighs> national title appearance. I've been, I've been, I'm not getting off this boat. The ceiling is a national title appearance. If everything goes right with the talent on this roster, that is the ceiling where we will inevitably get smacked by LSU. But... That's what I was about to throw on that. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, um, yeah, like even we have so much talent. This is like one of our most talented teams in years, but LSU would wipe the floor with us. LSU is about to go 40 and 0 this year, and it's going to be easy for them. Their average margin of victory is going to be like 15. But I think our ceiling is probably Elite Eight to Final Four. I think because there is an upper echelon of uh, women's basketball, we are not part of that. Um, so a lot would have to go right for that to happen, but I could see it happening. And like a 27, 28 win regular season, there's a pretty wide gap uh, in the floor and ceiling for uh, women's basketball as opposed to men's uh, because we know how quickly things can go wrong with uh, women's basketball. But if everybody pans out, everybody has good seasons, shooting is consistent, knock on wood heavily. (laughs) Break your hand on the desk. Yes, that's what has to happen. Then it could be a really good year, but it remains to be seen. If the ceiling for this team is Eliza Moppin dunking in the final four to send us to the natty to be a uh, sacrificial lamb for the LSU machine. I'm not sure I'd ever wake up from that dream, just watching Eliza Moppin dunk to, to seal it. Allegedly, like we mentioned this a lot, allegedly she can dunk. Hadn't seen she it is, yet. She has dunked in practice. It would have to be a perfect game situation, I think, for it to happen. Which she'd probably be among the shortest players to ever dunk because she's like six foot one. So she's like, like six four. She is like she's like six one, dude. Like at least I think so. Maybe I'm making that up. You stall. Okay. But yeah, I. It's the. It, it the talent on the women's basketball roster is so ridiculous. I mean. You have one of the best distributors in K-State history, one of, if not the best, uh, probably not the best yet. Can't say that in Serena Sundell. One of the best shooters we've seen in the past couple decades in Gabby Gregory. One of the best players in the nation in Ioka Lee. Basically just a lot lot of fire starters in Eliza Maupin, Taryn Sides, uh, really good defensive pieces, Briley and Jalen Glenn. It the talent on the roster is ridiculous. And that's before you get into a uh, uh, Walker, um, Walker Bates and Sanchez. Like that's even before you get to them. Oh, and um, she is six foot three. She's six three. Okay. So split the difference between the two. Of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's taller than I thought, a little shorter than you thought, but regardless would still be one of probably the shortest players to dunk. Cause I think most that have been able to dunk at women's games have been like six, five plus. So, uh, but TBD. Yeah. I'm really excited for women's basketball. Anyway. Uh, next question from Evan, who are your most constructed alternatively players from this sports year? Uh, how about we go one per sport and we do snake draft style. Uh, so let's start with, do you want to do sport by sport or do you just want to take like 
No, let's do sports by sport. The other one, would, I'd get confused. You, you'd, you'd keep track. <laughs> I'd get confused. Uh, so do you want the first overall pick? Um, yeah, I'll take the first overall pick. Okay. What um, sport? I will do... Are we going to stick to the football, men's basketball, women's basketball, throwing baseball? Throwing baseball. Um, I will start with football. And there's two obvious candidates, maybe three. Um, but I will roll with uh, Deuce Vaughn because he is literally constructed alternatively as the shortest player in combine history. Yeah. I'm going to go to the opposite end of that spectrum for football. I'm going to go Julius Brents because he is also quite literally constructed differently. Yep. So then you get a uh, next board of your choice. Then uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with baseball and I'm going to go Tyson neighbors. Splendid pick. I'll go baseball and say Kalen Culpepper. Okay. Uh, those are both, I think, the two obvious number one picks uh, for baseball. I think they're far and away like the only picks, really. Mm-hmm. So then I will move on to. Um... Hmm. Actually, I won't do women's basketball because you can't say Yoko Lee yeah. because she didn't play this year. So mm-hmm. I'll say um, men's basketball and I'll say Marquise Noel. I'll go men's basketball and I'll go Keontae Johnson. All right. And then who's your women's basketball pick? Women's basketball pick is going to be the easy one. It's going to be Gabby Gregory. Another fine pick. Um, but hold on. Let me, I need to check the stats really quick for women's ball. Okay. I'll say Jalen Glenn for women's basketball. I was trying to remember which one led the conference in steals. I can't remember if it's, it was Jalen or Riley. It's Jalen. Okay. The, the surprise, uh, Eliza Moppin not getting selected there. Yeah, I probably should have said Eliza Moppin, but we talked about her a little bit. Yeah. So true. Then the final question from Evan, uh true Alley Cat Evan, his name is from now on until forever. Uh name a random team you hate that you think would surprise from people. I hate Arkansas and I hate Marshall. Arkansas is not because of the alleged rivalry between MU and Arkansas. That's barely a rivalry. No one cares. I hate Arkansas because they're annoying. Um, I went to exactly one Arkansas game, and I went from viewing Arkansas like moderately positively because I watched the movie Greater, which is a very good – it's actually a solid movie, um, to absolutely hating them. And it took one game. <laughs> it took one game. <laughs> Which is a shame because I've heard Fayetteville is very cool. But oh, it's awesome. Fayetteville's yeah. awesome. It's just tainted yeah. by the college. <laughs> and then Marshall. Marshall is the only team in NCAA 14 that I straight up have never been able to beat. It doesn't matter what overall my team is. I've never been able to beat Marshall ever. For me, it's probably Minnesota. Um, I used to actually like them. Um, but ever since they hired P.J. Fleck, they just rubbed me the wrong way and I've just not really liked them at all. Um, cause he's, he just comes off as very fake to me. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, disingenuous, I guess. Um, so I, I've not liked Minnesota since they've hired him. Uh, I hope he gets his comeuppance at some point. Probably <laughs> won't, but he won't. All right. So thank you for all the questions. True alley cat, Evan. Now we can go into the two questions from Cameron Hale. We're in the home stretch here. 
Uh, if first question, if you could choose one national championship for Kansas State, what sport would it be in and why? Uh, football because it's the premier sport. Yeah, I, uh, that's an easy football. I think um, there's no reason to actively choose another sport. I think in terms of what is best for K State because football is the most watched sport still. Um, although men's basketball, you could make an argument for. Um, I still think you have to roll with uh, football there. Yeah, the only way that you could get me to change my answer from from football would be to if you if you changed it to like it would be multiple natties for another sport. So it'd be like back to back basketball natties. That's what it would have to be for me to shift from football. And even then it might be a tough sell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question. This is okay. So a little bit of behind the scenes here. We discuss questions from like a cursory glance before every episode. Um, this question, every other question at the cursory glance took maybe 20 to 30 minutes. This question by itself took us 30 minutes to come up with a cursory answer for Cameron Hale asks, what is your mountain Rushmore of protagonists in TV and movies and then antagonists in TV and movies? This would be easy for me if it were TV, movies, and video games. Because I grew up on video games way more than movies and TV. And we'll, we'll do a similar format here. I don't think we share any... Oh, wait, I lied. We share one for, for a different one. So we can do the, we can do the draft segment uh, just back and forth this time. But trade for the, the alternate pick. Um, so, protagonists, you got first overall pick for the... Constructed alternatively players. I'll take this one. Uh, my first four protagonists would be Forrest Gump because I think it's it's my favorite movie. And I think it is the perfect example of how you write that sort of character without it being like either treated as a joke in and of itself. It's, it's basically the only respectful way to write someone who has developmental difficulties and still lives his life well despite it so like i i think that that is worthy of being up on there by itself all right so then it's me do i say two or just one? Oh, uh, you just say one okay um i'm going with an og one of the all-time goats uh captain picard from star trek yeah easy yeah no, that's an easy. I was wondering which Star Trek character you were going to pick because Connor's uh, not to expose you like I'm going to expose myself with the the antagonists <laughs> here. Uh, Connor's a big Trekkie. I have seen probably every show, I think, other than the animated series in the 70s. I've just never gotten around to that. But I didn't know that existed. <laughs> most people don't <laughs> because it's apparently not the greatest. But we'll see, I guess. But no, I've, I've seen, I think, about every series and movie so yeah that's what i spend my time doing i guess <laughs> all right uh next up for me would be that you're gonna get two zoomer ish picks here it's gonna be john wick because i think it's it's my favorite action movie series and i think that keanu reeves's performance has sort of just escalated him up to being able to play that sort of stoic action hero and i i think he does it in a more believable way than a lot of like the eighties action heroes did. Uh, yeah. There, 
there is an argument for like uh, Arnold for like the T800, but also fun fact, by the way, I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but if we weren't doing a K-State pod, we'd be doing a movie pod because we, we both really like movies. Despite the fact that with the moment we saw this question, every piece of media we'd ever seen in our lives just disappeared from our brains. No, yeah, that's why it took so long. I had to like go on IMDb and be like, what movies have I seen? Because I, <laughs> I love movies and I love TV shows, but I could not remember anything mm-hmm. when this started. Yep. Okay. All right, so you're next up. Yep. Um, I've got a Russ Cole from season one of True Detective. Uh, Matthew McConaughey was just basically like he does in most of his roles being himself, but he was doing it really well. <laughs> yeah. He's also really well written. Uh, it's one of the best written seasons of the TV that I've ever seen. Uh, so easy dub, Russ Cole. Yep. Uh, next up for me is Laurie Strode from the Halloween franchise. The way that Jamie Lee Curtis sort of just plays that character. She's it, it was her and uh, Ripley from Alien because I wanted a horror movie representative. And the first two that came to my mind were Laurie Strode and Ripley from from Alien. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Sigourney Weaver both murder that role <laughs> in, a, in a very literal sense. Um so I'm going to go with Laurie Stroh just because I think she's moderately more iconic to her franchise of Halloween. Excellent choice. Next one for me uh, is Ed Tom Bell, uh, Sheriff from No Country for Old Men. I love that movie. It is one of my favorites. And I just really like his character for some reason. Uh, he is honestly not in it a ton. Uh, but he's one of the two or three uh, main guys, one of the three main characters. So I absolutely love him in that movie. Tommy Lee Jones is awesome. Uh, if you haven't seen No Country for Old Men, you should go do that immediately. Uh, the movie's awesome. It's not super long either, but we'll move on. Yeah, I'll save the I'll save watching that movie when when we're together. We'll have many a, a movie night as well as many a football night. Many. Um. And then for the last pick, I'm going to go with Rocky Balboa just because I had to fit uh, a sports protagonist on here somewhere. And I feel like you can't get more iconic as a sports protagonist than Rocky Balboa. Like genuinely, I don't know who else makes a convincing argument for that. Um, last one for me uh, for protagonists is Valeria Legasov from the miniseries on HBO. Uh, Chernobyl love that show uh, Jared Harris is awesome in that role won a few awards for it uh, and it stuck around for just the right amount of time it was just like a five episode maybe six and it did a lot of work in that time but really really great show all right you get number one overall pick for antagonists man and Imagining unless we go in a different air in a different uh, order, this will be the one that we share. Yeah, this will um, be the one we share. You know, I'm saying Gus Fring from the uh, Breaking Bad universe because he's in a couple shows. Um, but I Gus Fring is awesome. He's iconic. Um, sprung uh, the actor uh, Giancarlo Esposito to even newer heights, and yeah. It, it's just been an iconic role that he's been like a can't miss character. I think he, he's so well known by most people at this point, just how massive that universe has been. But Gus Fring. 
Yeah. Gotta love them. That's the one we shared. So I'm I'm actually gonna sub out Gus Fring for oh which slasher do I want? I just realized with this, three of my four will be slashers, technically. Um I'm gonna go Michael Myers, pair him with Laurie Strode. Uh, the other ones that I were thinking of, by the way, was Jason Voorhees and uh, the Xenomorph from Alien. I'm going to go Michael Myers because, again, all three of those are instantly iconic. But like you could you could make a really convincing argument that Michael Myers and Halloween started the slasher genre. Technically, I think Leather, I think Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out like a year before or something like that or a year after. It's close. But I'm going to go with uh, the masked man who started it all, uh, Michael Myers. All right, then back to me. Um, I've got another uh, Star Trek answer here, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm going with the Borg from uh, multiple iterations of Star Trek, uh, Next Generation, Voyager, and the movie First Contact, and some of the new shows as well. Classic Star Trek villains, one of the most lasting villains and technically it counts as one person since it's a collective. Uh, so even though it's more a large entity, uh, they all share consciousness. So I'm kind of cheating there, but I'll say the Borg. Good answer. Uh, my second pick is going to be Hannibal Lecter from uh, science of the lambs or also Hannibal if you prefer, but I prefer the Hannibal, the uh, science of the lambs version. Again, just, Instantly iconic with the mask, with the, I think it's either two or three lines from the mouth. Just the, I don't think he blinks. I, I remember reading that fact that the, every second that he's on camera, he never blinks. Which I'm not sure if it's true, but I believe it. But I believe you too. You're trustworthy. So. Yeah, thank you. But Hannibal Lecter, again, like you're noticing a theme is that my, my two favorite genres of movie are comedy and horror. Uh, so the rest of these, all, all of my favorite characters are serial killers for, for antagonists, unfortunately. <laughs> very broad <laughs> list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very broad list, but. You know because... what? I, I can't really make fun of that uh, because like I've got two pretty unsavory characters for my last two. Uh, I'll start with uh, Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones uh, because there are a few antagonists in that show. There's many antagonists in that show, but one of the most popular ones, Joffrey, he's just like annoying to me. Like he's not conniving in any sort of way, but Ramsey Bolton is like fun, evil for the viewer. Like he does horrible things and stuff like that, but he's just loads of fun to watch. He's portrayed really well. Uh, he's a psychological terrorist. Like he's pretty, he's pretty awesome. Like as far as go, <laughs> he's a psychological terrorist. He's pretty awesome, though. <laughs> All right, my third overall pick will be Ghostface. You may be asking me, uh, spoilers for the Scream movies. Uh, you may be asking me which one. Uh, the idea, the idea of Ghostface, and literally just being like the 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 themes of Scream is that you know the the killer can be anyone, you know. So I I think that Ghostface sort of plays on that idea exceedingly well. And again, like it's the only antagonist on this list that I think fits more as an idea 
than like a true villain. The the other one I was uh, balancing with this one here would be Sadako from specifically Ringu, the Japanese version of the ring. Uh, that's not the last time that you're going to see a Japanese piece of media on my antagonist list. We run a K-State sports podcast. We talk about sports for an hour. Of course, we're dorks. <laughs> I mean, I've already said two Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. So who's your last who's your last overall pick for antagonist? Uh, like I doubled up on Star Trek, I'm doubling up on No Country for Old Men. Uh, I'm going with Anton Chigurh uh, from that movie, portrayed by Javier Bardem. Awesome, awesome, awesome character. Uh, really uh, eerie character. Um, portrayed super, super well. Uh, doesn't have a ton of dialogue, but doesn't really need to. He just doesn't say more than he needs to. That's something I enjoy in a character. They don't have a lot of like throwaways or like loaded dialogue. He just says what he needs to and moves on. Um, but he's an awesome villain, very dark, but has an interesting set of morals that he actually adheres to and is fair about it, despite it also being inherently unfair, but he, he does follow his rules to a T. So gotta love him. Yeah. No, you don't, but <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Uh, if I was if I was a coward and also didn't already mention that my last antagonist was from a Japanese piece of media, I would replace him with someone I literally just spawned in my brain, and that would be Heath Ledger's Joker. However, I'm not a coward, and I will own the fact that I'm a dork, and I will go with Yoshikage Kira from uh, Diamond is Unbreakable Part 4 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is an uh, anime and manga series. Um, dude he's kind of similar to Ghostface in that he's kind of more of an idea than he is anything else. Like he, the same idea, same execution of Ghostface. You can kind of see, I have a type here uh, <laughs> where he's, he's just a serial killer who lives in like this small town and he quote unquote, just wants to live a quiet life. And the show was originally written in the eighties and you still have people debating to this day, if he actually wanted to live a quiet life. I think that, I think that's what makes a really good character of any kind is where you have like the intentions are obvious and people understand them, but people question the the merits of the goal. I think that's how you write a really good character. Then again, I, I I'm not an English major. I never took a writing class, so I might just be stupid. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> also, this this would have completely changed if video games were we're in this answer for me, at least I'm not sure if it would have done so for you, Connor. Um, I probably would have found a way to add in one or two uh, games. Half like, of my answers would have been from games. Uh, maybe Lego Darth Vader, not actual dark Darth Vader, but Lego Darth Vader. <laughs> 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 but for no particular reason, but I don't know. Also kind of elephant in the room. We didn't put in Darth Vader, I guess. Yeah. Kind of the famous one, like, like the most famous villain, but that's our easy. list our list yeah. <laughs> all right so thank you cameron hale last question of the show comes from cole uh, on your podcasting adventure to date what's a skill a new skill you've learned what's been the hardest part and what's been the most enjoyable aspect of it uh i'll we'll just go through answering all of these at once uh new skill i've learned i've got i've gotten a lot better at uh, audio production which is hilarious because i used to make music uh <laughs> 
Uh, hardest part almost always has been scheduling and off-season episodes, trying to find something. There's a spider crawling at my leg, trying to find something uh, interesting to say. You handled that way better than I would have. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's still there. Um, uh, the most enjoyable aspect of it is probably just, you know, getting to getting, this is going to be really sappy, getting to talk about something I love with one of my best friends. So, you know, and having, having other people listen to it, it, like, like we've said multiple times before on the show is like, we expected to start this up. We didn't expect to have any sort of audience. Like we, we expected maybe us to listen to it once and maybe 20 other people all time. And now on a per episode basis, we're getting anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 times that. And it's like, excuse me, what, (laughs) what happened here? Oh yeah. Um, I I remember when we first started, we were getting excited about uh, like getting like double digits Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, for the first uh, like couple episodes, which don't listen to those episodes. They suck. They're awful. (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, the first episode is like almost three. Hours. Yeah, it's almost three hours long. Because, well, for one, I think we tried to stuff way too much into it. Yeah, we did. But no one stopped us. <laughs> no, no one did. But hey, you know what? You live and you learn. Yeah. And uh, a new skill that I've learned from podcasting. Um, I guess I've, I don't know if tweeting counts. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our memes have stepped up a lot, actually. That's true. Um, I I have learned how to make so many memes, and it's unbelievable. I I didn't know there was this much to even learn about it. But um, the hardest part has probably been, at least for me personally, it was keeping up with the three a week schedule while trying to wade through like my first semester of law school. That was rough, but I'm happy I did it still, and. Uh, was been the most enjoyable part of it. Um, probably interacting with K State fans. I think kind of becoming a part of like the broader K State Twitter community to a certain degree, and being able to interact with all sorts of cool people, yourself included, Ace and uh, guys like uh, you Scott. met me through Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guys like Scott and Grant uh, from Bosco's Boys and um, Evan, Aiden, and all sorts of other people that. I'm not listing right now because I don't want to sit here and list like 30 different names, mm-hmm. but tons and tons and tons of people. Uh, it's been super fun to get to know those people, see their thoughts on K-State sports as well, when they're the same or when they're different from ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, other hardest part, honorable mention, would be trying to browse through the foundation for anything useful. That's <laughs> it's a lot there. No one on the foundation that would make a comment about us as a listen to this far in the episode. They probably checked out maybe halfway through. Uh, <laughs> I don't imagine we have any or many listeners on there anyways. So, yeah. but that's all the questions. Do you have any, any final thoughts before we, we get to the outro? Um, happy two years, almost not quite, but almost, uh, yeah. it's been a fun ride and I'm uh, looking forward to another great year. Yeah. Uh, same thing for me. Just thanks everyone for, for listening. Anyone who's, who's bought merch, anyone who's listened to the show, anyone who sent in Q and a questions, anyone we've had guests on the show, all four, 
<laughs> We've five, not had one, I guess. We have not had them. Yes. Well, there was one that got away, but that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, close to happening. They were this close to happening, and then I was in Atlanta. Uh, I would I would trade that Atlanta trip for for that interview. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Aggieville A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we're Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at AC Edwards 00. I'm at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, and we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. Or capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, and we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.